Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonabello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Family. It looks a little different for everyone. For some, it's mom and dad. For others, roommates who feel like family. And for others, it's your significant other, their golfing buddies, your children, a high school soccer team starting lineup, and oh look, they're all taking you up on the offer to stay for dinner. Really testing the limits of that phrase, the more the merrier. But no matter where you call home, GEICO makes it easy to bundle and save on home and car insurance. Easier than making three frozen pizzas and assorted frozen veggies into a cohesive meal. All Hit Radio Welcome to the X-Zone. A place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob Vicano. And good evening, one and all, and welcome back to the X-Zone. My name is Rob McConnell, and for the next four hours, I'm your host and your guide as together we'll cross the time-space continuum to this place that I call the X-Zone. It's a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. It's a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. And the X-Zone comes to you Monday through Friday from 10 p.m. Eastern until 2 a.m. Eastern, right here from our broadcast center and studios in Crystal Beach, Ontario, Canada. If you'd like to send me an email, xzone at xzoneradiotv.com on all social media sites, xzoneradiotv. And to find out what's going on here in the Exxon Nation, visit our website, xzoneradiotv.com. And for all the programming we have available, 724-365 on the Exxon TV channel that is exclusive to Simul TV. Visit www.simultv.com. Well, here we are another day, and we're going to be talking, well, you know, this is Halloween week, right? So we have to talk about ghosts. We have to talk about things that go bump in the night. And are we getting closer to discovering what is behind the phenomenon? 
Is it something that has been with us from day one, at the very dawn of, of history? Or is it something that happened in between? And if so, what caused it? Well, our guests tonight throughout the night are going to help us understand that. And our first guest tonight is Nicole Strickland. And we've had the pleasure of having Nicole on the show many times. And she's also always a welcome guest. We're going to talk to her about spirits, communication, near-death experiences, and much show. Much more. Much show. Yeah. Nicole, welcome to the shorter. Oh, thank you so much for having me back. It's always such a pleasure talking with you. So what has been new since you and I last talked before COVID? Oh, gosh, I know. We're going on about, I think, a couple of years. Yeah. Well, I, I actually, no, I mean, I'm doing the same thing. Not as many investigations, of course, with COVID. So I've, in this last year, I'm actually doing a lot of internet radio. So I came out with my own show, The Afterlife Chronicles, on Thursday night mm -hmm. from 6 Pacific to 7 p.m. Pacific, of course, 10 Eastern, 9 Eastern, I mean. Uh, and then also I co-host uh, Haunted Voices Radio with my good friend Todd Bates on Tuesday nights at the same time on his network, the WLTKDB Network. So I've been doing a lot of internet radio and it's a lot of fun meeting a lot of new people and talking with a lot of mm -hmm. great investigators and authors and, and psychic mediums and people of that nature and then let's see, I'm trying to think what else. I finished a book. It was uh, this coming May is going to be two years and it's due out, I think, fall of this year. But it might because of COVID, it might be moved more toward spring. And so that's also called the Afterlife Chronicles, exploring the connection between life, death and beyond. So those are the two big new things. But mm. everything else is, you know, same, same old, same, same old. <laughs> Let our listeners know how you got involved in the paranormal. Oh, my goodness. It goes back to when I was a child. I mean, I, I've always had that innate interest. And then with being a young child, I can remember having very interesting experiences as young as four or five years old. So that interest stayed with me, um, even through middle school and high school. And I, you know, before the internet, I tried to get my hands on books and articles, anything about ghosts, anything about hauntings, the paranormal I would read. But then, of course, uh, in my college years at the University of Arizona, and I share this a lot on shows and in presentations, I actually had a very profound experience with my maternal grandmother's spirit. And to this day, you know, I don't know if the experience was more or less a bereavement hallucination on my part or whether it was actually her communicating to me. I, I kind of tend to believe it's more of the latter. Mm -hmm. So that... That right there just catapulted me out into active investigation, and that's what I've been doing ever since, investigating primarily uh, ghost spirits and hauntings, that category of the paranormal, because there's so many branches, uh, private homes, uh, historical sites, businesses, you name it. And so that's what I've been doing with my team here in San Diego since the early, but since her, her passing. Wow. So like 2001, I think, is when I started investigating, so... It's been a journey. It really has. Why is it with all the groups that are out there every night investigating the paranormal, looking for proof of the existence of the afterlife, that after all these years, nothing is new? Nothing has turned up that is awe-inspiring or the smoking gun. We seem to be right? at a standstill. Why is that? I, that is, you know, I think about this on a daily basis. That is such a good question. I, you know, I'm wondering if part of it is that there are new hints 
and we're just not seeing it. I think that there's, and this could be part of it too, but you have two categories of investigators. You have the more of the parapsychological, uh, more uh, academically inclined investigators, and then you have uh, just, you know, paranormal researchers, and then Mm -hmm. you have those that aren't necessarily interested in the research end of it, which is not a bad thing. They're more or less interested in the in the thrill seeking and the fun and the sensational sensationalism of it. So I'm wondering if if that could be part of the reason too. And I just I I, I think the field I, I want it to become more of an academic field like it was, and I'm seeing it more going down the entertainment sensationalistic yeah. route. And I'm wondering if that could be contributing to that. But that it, you know, I think about that all the time you could know it, and so could it be that that the paranormal is now being turned into a an industry instead of a scientific quest you know you have uh it's called paratourism now and, and it really is and, and i think it, yeah. that the public is saying hey wait a minute all these people are doing is trying to get the buck out of my pocket i'm sure there's thrill seekers who want to take these tours who want to provoke spirits who want to act like total jerks but when it comes to the established researchers like yourself, Dale Kesmerica, to name two that I know, how does this make you feel? You know, I, I'm one of these, I, it's kind of a thorn in my sign, and I'm a mm-hmm. little bit probably more vocal than I should be. It's one of those things, and look, I love entertainment. Do not get me wrong. I love it. It's great. But it's like I think it should be kept separate from working with the afterlife. I think entertainment is a great medium for educating people about what paranormal, what authentic paranormal Mm -hmm. research is, not sensationalistic TV show paranormal, which is what people see these days. Uh, So I think that, uh, you know, entertainment realm can really do a lot to educate on not only the the different methodologies and the, the science behind it and the esoteric and the metaphysical, but it can also educate on on what our findings are thus far and talk a little bit about some of the ghost stories and dissect them and break them down to try to explain and see, wow, can the paranormal be explained? I wish it would do more of that instead of just almost uh, make the afterlife and all these energies kind of put them in like a circus environment as though mm-hmm. they're there for our amusement. So it's something that I'm very vocal about and I don't necessarily agree with, so... Some people don't let it bother them. It bothers me, but hey, that's me. Well, it also bothers so. other credible investigators out there. You're not alone. I've heard a lot of, uh, of credible investigators who've been in this field for years and who take it very seriously right. express the same opinion that you just did. Yeah, very, yep, absolutely. You know, and here we are, Halloween week, and everybody is, and his uncle who has a farm now has a haunted hayride, haunted ghost, uh, go, uh, haunted barn. You've got haunted ghost houses at all the major amusement parks. And I think that this is not helping credible paranormal investigations. It's not. It's it's establishing. It's almost making a mockery mm-hmm. out of it. And I, I don't know if this is going to change anytime soon. I am one of these. I just wrote a post about this a couple of weeks ago on my Facebook, and I was vocal, and I said, I believe Halloween mm-hmm. and the, the, the Americanized, imaginative Halloween with all its cast of characters, that should be separate from 
the afterlife and paranormal and not lump them together. And oftentimes you see them both lumped together and it makes it sound like, you know, someone's deceased grandmother or grandfather is a cast, yeah. a character cast at like not scary farm, mm -hmm. for example. And it just, it's, it's upsetting to me. I find that there are a number of paranormal investigators who actually um, are very disrespectful towards the, uh, the departed. Yes. Yeah. And that's, that entertainment is the, the big cause yeah. of that, sadly. All right, my friend, please stand by. You and I have to take our first break. And Exonation, Nicole Strickland and I will return on the other side of this break. But if you'd like to find out more about Nicole, uh, visit www.authornicolestrickland.com and or www.sandiegoparanormalresearch.com and we'll both be back on the other side as the Exxon continues right here in the Exxon from our broadcast center and studios in beautiful Crystal Beach, Ontario, Canada. family style deal because i want a bite of your big mac and i need some of your quarter pounds i'll try your filet of fish there's a deal for every friend group at mcdonald's order any two classics for just six bucks price of participation may vary single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer Got this feeling down deep in my soul that I just can't lose. Guess I'm on my way. Need any friend? And the way I feel now, I guess I'll be with you till the end. Guess I'm on my way. Mighty glad you stayed. And welcome back, everyone. For all our listeners here in the province of Ontario, as well as Western Ontario, Eastern Ontario, throughout the states until from Ontario down to the state of New Jersey, um, we're going to be changing and adding a new affiliate to our list of affiliates in the very near future. And uh, you'll be able to hear us on an AM radio station. It's going to be from four, from three o'clock until five o'clock live, and then from ten o'clock until midnight live, five nights a week. Keep on listening for more details or visit our website at exxonradiotv.com. Nicole Strickland's our special guest. Two websites. Uh, let me see. AuthorNicoleStrickland.com and SanDiegoParanormalResearch.com. Nicole, what has been your most scary or most haunting case that you've ever worked on? I'm, I'm one of these that I don't get scared often mm -hmm. when I'm on cases. I mean, of course, you can be startled and have something happen that you least expect. But it's it's just, you know, working with, with earthbounds and spirits, it's just something that doesn't really scare me. Gosh, I'm trying to think most 
Oh my God. There've been so many, uh, my goodness. I'm trying to, <laughs> I'm trying to think and I'm drawing a blank. I mean, I can, one, I don't share this that often, but, uh, and this is a location that is a little bit North of Los Angeles up in Camarillo. I'm going to kind of keep the location confidential. Those of us in Southern California and California will know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, it's an old, uh, hospital that is now turned into a university that's all I'm going to say and I was there one night and uh, this is one experience out of so many that I've had that I actually felt alarmed and that I actually needed to step out of the building so we were in uh, one of the the rooms there and I was setting up a static infrared video camera and so I was tripod I set it on a tripod and I had it running and I was behind the camera and I sat down for a little bit, and then all of a sudden, and we all, there were about five of us there, and we all saw this this six to seven foot tall, or what looked to be that tall, a dark shadow figure just emerged out of nowhere and came at us super, super fast. And I don't usually, I don't run, I just don't. But that, I, I just got out of the building as fast as I could. And so that's an experience that comes to mind. But, I mean, there have been... So many between the the private residences and the historic cases and, and businesses that I've had, just a plethora of personal experiences, whether it's visual sightings, uh, uh, disembodied vocalizations, being touched, for example, uh, investigated a, an old prison uh, in L.A. It was an old women's prison. Oh, this was about maybe nine, ten years ago. And it, this is probably the most profound experience I've ever had a tactile experience where I actually felt someone put their hand on my shoulder and actually yank on my hair. Mm. I don't think it was intending to scare me. It was just, that's the way, that's how I felt it. So there've been so many, I mean, we'd be here like 10 hours talking about it. Why do you think those on the other side are trying to communicate with us? And if they are trying so hard, how come there is, they don't communicate with everybody? Excellent question. These are such good questions. And I think these are questions that we need to explore and, and look at further. I now this is just my opinion. Mm -hmm. And you know, take it or leave it. I feel that there's this connection between mortality and the afterlife. And it's always been there. I mean, you can go way back to the dawning of man, and there's experiences that people have had. But this connection between both worlds is almost getting closer and closer and closer and overlapping in many ways. And I feel it's it could be due to many reasons. There's nowadays there are a lot more challenges for us. People are hurting each other. There's a lot of turmoil going on. So I feel that the, the afterlife and those that are highly evolved in the spirit realms and have gone through the ranks of spirithood, if you will, I think that they are in are trying to reach out and offer assistance, give messages, that sort of thing. And just with the interest, it, just in general, people's interest in the paranormal, so to speak, and the afterlife, that's fueling it too. So there's almost this duality between both worlds, but it's something that we really need to pay attention to. I'm not sure if we're ever going to get the answer to that, but it's definitely something that we need to to really uh, critically look at. You know, that you just brought up an interesting point that we never may find the answer, but what happens if we do? What happens to society in general if 
it is proven beyond a shadow of a doubt that there is an afterlife, that it's not all hype, it's not all supposition, it's not all based on a person's belief, it's not based on any psychosis, but it's fact. How will this change, in your opinion, society? I think we're going to get very enlightened when this day comes, if it comes. I think it's going to open people's eyes. I think it's going to cause just a... a um, a blast of major epiphanies mm-hmm. for a lot of people and their, you know, their doubts are going to be washed away and, you know, just the connecting, it'll allow them, those that are skeptical and those that are even cynical with that proof, they can say, wow, I was wrong. There is life after death. And I think it's going to really help with grief. It's going to help with a lot of human suffering. That's that's my opinion. I hope one day we can get there, but I don't. I don't know if we will. But I how? Really don't. But how will the how will this affect the different religious philosophies? Will it hurt the philosophies? Will it enrich the philosophies? Or will this be the end of religion as we know it? That you know, I I, I think it depends on on the type of religion and mm-hmm. and how how individually if per person, how much that individual is, is attached to that certain religion. I think it could go either way. It could be a combination of both where it can, it can help. It can maybe help to uh, explain certain dogmas and things like that, or it can hinder it can in some ways can hinder it and cause more of a, a disconnect uh, between different religions. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's hard to know. I, I, I don't know. I think it's probably a combination of both would be my opinion. What percentage would you give, based on your experience and the investigations that you do and the other investigators that you know and that you share information with, out of 100%, what is the percentage that you would give to people who believe that there's parapsychology or paranormal activity happening within an area, and when the paranormal investigators get there, they find nothing? So uh, believing that, you know, there is something existing, even though there's nothing found. Mm -hmm. Oh, I would say definitely over 50%. I would say more like maybe between 60 and 70, especially now because it's so saturated in our environment. And even though these shows aren't necessarily an accurate depiction of what research, paranormal research is, it's still allowing people that aren't necessarily exposed to investigating and, and researching the unknown it's giving them a glimpse into what we do and, and allowing them to kind of open up their minds a little bit so i think that i would say maybe 15 years ago 20 years ago it would have been a lower percentage but that i'm seeing increasing just because more and more people are open to sharing their own experiences mm-hmm. whereas 20 years ago they would be you know tight-lipped about it and of course we saw the same thing within the ufo community as soon as the x-files came on and then uh, unsolved <laughs> mysteries and all the other tv shows that all of a sudden everybody was seeing ufos where ufos were never seen before Exactly. And I mean, how and then that's a good that's a good point you raise, because in all those increased increased sightings, how many of those are true in nature or based on power suggestion or pareidolia mm-hmm. or whatever? Right. So, Good questions. That is so true. What's what would be your first step? Somebody calls you up and you and your team decide to further investigate the call from the client. How do you proceed? 
So, uh, well, it depends if it's a if it's a historical case, mm -hmm. it's a little bit different. I, I'll, I guess I'll go more along the lines of a private res residence or a business case that isn't an actual historical site. Well, usually, you know, it's an email or word of mouth and we tell them to fill out our questionnaire on our website, which is pretty extensive. Once we receive that, and you know, some teams would be like, why do you do this? For me, it's just I, I kind of weed out the serious versus sure. those that maybe just watched a horror movie and saw <laughs> something in their house and they're just nilly-willy writing us. But we'll say, you know, once we receive that questionnaire back, take your time with it, um, you know, let us know, and then we'll schedule a phone conversation with the client just to kind of corroborate what's on there get a little bit of a better idea of what's going on in the home. And on that initial phone interview, you can kind of not try to trip them up, but you can compare what they say on the phone to what they write down. If there's any sort of discrepancies there, you can clarify with the client. And then it's it's the process of, uh, based on that, uh, deciding whether or not to go to the actual site and do a preliminary walkthrough, you know, and, and, and discussing with the client. It's a collective decision whether to pursue an actual paranormal case study or if it's mm -hmm. just more or less uh, kind of a, a phone consultation. Nicole, I hate to do this. I hate to do this. I hate to do this, Nicole, but I've got to take my break, so please stand to, by. Do we have to break? Yes, we do. Exonation, okay. Nicole Strickland is our guest. Author Nicole Strickland.com and San Diego Paranormal Research.com. This is the Exon I am Rob McConnell. Talk away. Guess I'm on my way Needing a friend And the way I feel now I guess I'll be with you till the end Guess I'm on my way Mighty glad you stayed And welcome back, everyone. Nicole Strickland is my special guest this hour. www.authornicolestrickland.com and sandiegoparanormalresearch.com. I'm sorry I had to cut you off uh, because of that darn news break at the bottom of the oh, hour. Oh, that's perfectly fine. Please I, do. I apologize for that. Uh, so could you no please worries. could you please continue? So yeah, you know what I was saying. Uh, I I should have elaborated on sooner, but you want to, especially with private residence clients. You want to right away try to establish the stability in that client. If you're suspecting any sort of health, really serious health issue or medication 
illegal medication usage or even um, just uh, typical pharmaceutical usage where they're medicated Mm -hmm. heavily or if there's any sort of emotional distress or any sort of issues that within the family dynamic that would hinder the paranormal case study or a paranormal case study hindering that family dynamic further, you need to kind of figure that out. So approaching that is a lot, I would assume, like a lot like social work. So you want to make sure that your clients understand what you're going to do, why it's being done, and to make sure that everyone in that home, the adults, of course, are in agreement as to a case study being done. That's one of our cardinal rules. If, if let's say we and we've had this happen where the husband wants us, but the wife doesn't, we just if no one if all the adults that are residing in the home aren't in agreement, we won't come out. That doesn't mean we're we're not going to stop providing providing assistance. Maybe you're, you're discussing stuff on the phone, but uh, so that's I think that's paramount. And then mm-hmm. you know you go out and do your preliminary work there getting an idea of the layout of the site, uh, hot spots where the claims are, uh, preliminary photographs and, and environmental readings and all of that. And so uh, just Im- important to always keep your clients in the loop as to what's being done uh, as the study is going on. And then, of course, confidentiality is, is a huge point as well. I'm kind of like veering away from your initial question, but it's just a step step by sure. step process, you know, because there are a lot of teams that are going in and, and they mm-hmm. don't really put the client's safety first and foremost, for, first and foremost or themselves. All they care about is sadly just going in and getting evidence at regardless of, of what's going on with the family. And that is just something you do never, never, never want to do. So the collecting of evidence that is acquired, what happens with this evidence? So, so with us, you know, we, we collect it, we review it, you know, there's, it's time consuming to go over all the audio and the the photographs and video, and then comparing those findings to environmental data, such as EMF monitoring and and temperature, ambient temperature readings and that sort of thing. And then, uh, that's, that's more, uh, tangible data. And then you have the personal experience category and we still, if, let's say you have a case where you where you don't really get a lot of, uh, let's say, hard data, but it's more, I guess, circumstantial, I guess, if you will. It's more personal experiences. You don't want to leave that out. That still goes in the case, case report. So we document it. We uh, save it. We, mm-hmm. we write a detailed case report. We give a copy to the client, and then we keep a copy for ourselves as well. So what we give the client, we also have a copy for ourselves. So and then we it's important to sit down with them and then go over it bit by bit, allow them to review it and see because a lot of times when you're when you're in the client debrief or the client meeting, you may have a piece of, let's say, an audio capture that, you know, it's something anomalous, Mm -hmm. but you really can't further explain it. But when the client listens to it, they'll be like, oh, wait, yeah, that's 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 Grandpa Bob. They'll recognize the voice or, or they'll be able to provide a little bit more information about that. And that's always so interesting when that happens. In your, in your opinion, do any aspects of the paranormal pose a threat to the safety of the client? 
the actual research part of it or just or more or less the the findings? Well, let's say you go into an establishment where the client has been been reporting to you that there's been physical contact between the unseen entity and them. They have scratch marks. There is uh, there's poltergeist activity. Yeah, that's you know that's a good. Uh, usually when it's when it's that, I mean mm-hmm. it's very easy. And I'm kind of I guess kind of go on a tangent here. I don't mean to, but I'm trying to make a point. Sure. So with all of the the shows out that are primarily focusing on energies and places being demonic and mm-hmm. malevolent, it's now causing an influx of people to send. At least for us, and I've talked with other colleagues as well. Same for them, where they'll get emails from private residence clients saying, oh my God, there's something in my home. We think it's evil. More so now in the last two or three, four years than previous. So I attribute that to to the shows and, and a lot of that. So uh, going in, and I think it's important not to to immediately say, oh my gosh, yeah, you have scratches. That definitely means it's a demon. But you want to examine what's going on with those scratches what happened before it was it something like during sleep is there a possibility that they scratched themselves things like that so you want to like dissect those experiences bit by bit and instead of alarming the client and assuming it's something negative explain what what else it could be so you're trying to reassure without alarming them so much i mean even with scratches and i have a theory here that you can get now we all okay the trinity people think that oh if they have the three scratch marks it's the trinity and it's you know demonic and all that maybe in rare cases it is okay maybe in rare cases cases it is but when our bodies touch something hot or if we were to touch an electrical wire and it goes off our skin's gonna turn red and burn Mm -hmm. so with the theory of ghosts and spirits made up of some sort of electrical energy and that's what they're made up of if they touch us that could be why our skin reddens so it's not the intent of the energy to scratch it's our assumptions that that's what it's doing well here's here's a question here's a question if ghosts are made up of energy that can actually burn how come they cannot be seen with the naked eye because in order for something to burn, it has to be above a certain degree. And that certain degree could not be dampened by any, by any non-seeing uh, force. So right. if some, if something that, That's interesting. I mean, it's like that's... Yeah. Yeah. You know, I don't know. But it's just you have all these theories. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's something I've thought of, too. It's like, why aren't they more visible? I mean, this defies science, but... It's just, it, you know, it's, I don't know. I don't it, know if we're ever going to, to, to figure that out. Is, is it possible that paranormal research is looking in the wrong direction or using the wrong equipment to try and detect what they believe is there? I, I think that's a huge possibility. I mean, you have people that are strictly ad, ad, adhering to mm-hmm. the gadgets and the tools, and it's almost like every day there's a new gadget coming around. I think yeah, exactly. that it's harmful to use too much equipment because we don't know if some of this equipment could be harmful for energies. We really don't. Or in the case, let's say they're not, maybe too much of it would be an annoyance for them. So I'm one of these that likes to go into a, 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 a situation, you know, less is more. And I feel that we need to concentrate more on what 
our bodies, our human bodies and our senses are telling us. I think there's almost a reliance too much on this outside equipment than it is paying attention to to our bodies and, and, and what that's telling us. And then, of course, you have the esoteric and the metaphysical uh, aspect as well. So I find that a blending of, of, and some people cringe at this, that's fine, but science or, or scientific-like gadgets, I mean, there's no such thing as a ghost detector, but using those in combination with uh, a mediumship or intuition and the esoteric sort of methodology, I think that that can open more doors but what I would like to see done is more monitoring of the human body, brainwave activity, mm-hmm. heart rate, um, heart rhythms, and that sort of thing on an investigation. And seeing if there's any correlation, let's say you have four hours of EMF readings that are recorded, well, and then you compare those readings, for example, to maybe EEGs or EKGs to see if there's any weird correlation. So I think we need to kind of step out a little bit and branch off. And, and I think we're stuck in a rut doing the same methodology over and over and over. Yep. And, you know, let's be creative and try to find some new methods. All right, please stand by, Nicole. You and I have to take our final break for this hour. But before we go, Exonation, don't forget this weekend, November 3rd, I'm sorry, next weekend on November the 6th. Got my notes mixed up here. Um, Travis Walton International Skyfire Summit is on. It's online. It's $10 for the entire day. For more information, visit theobservationdk.com. That's Travis Walton International Skyfire Summit. Online November 6th, $10 U.S., and it's theobservationdk.com. And Nicole Strickland and I will be back as we wrap up this hour here in the Exxon from our broadcast center studios in Crystal Beach, Ontario, Canada. And don't forget to check out my, my most favorite radio station. If you like classic rock, classic talk, check out Classic 1220. And that's classic1220.ca. And of course, I'm talking about Classic 1220, CJ, CFAJ. 1. This is the Exxon on the Exxon Broadcast Network, Talkstar Radio Network, and Mutual Broadcast Network. Nicole Strickland is our special guest this hour, and we're talking about ghost hauntings, things that go bump in the night. And Nicole, what when it comes to a near-death experience, where does that fit into the paranormal? Is the, or is this something that is totally different and more in the spiritual realm? I, you know, I would classify it more in the spiritual realm. I mean, you're dealing with the possibility, and there's a lot of research that's been done on this. Can we say that, you know, for 100%, without a reasonable doubt, that the soul lives on after the body ceases to function? I don't know if we can say mm-hmm. that, you know, just the same thing as with ghosts. We can't 100% prove ghosts. Can we prove that? I'm not so sure, but there's a lot of research and a lot of experiences that are leaning us in the direction to say that, yes, the soul does live on after the body ceases to function. 
So I would classify near-death experiences more in that, I guess, for me, spiritual uh, category. And there have been people, all walks of life, uh, different areas of the world. There have been numerous studies. New York University, for example, Langone's Medical Center, directed up by Dr. Sam Parnia, he's the director of resuscitation research there at NYU, has conducted the largest NDE study of its kind. And so it's uh, definitely something that more research is needed. And I believe, I believe wholeheartedly that the human soul can, in its own weird, interesting way, Mm -hmm. separate itself from the body and continue on without needing the organ systems of that body. So but that in itself and the research that's being done into near-death experience, wouldn't that not be proof that if there is the, the near-death experience where the soul actually goes practically to the other side but returns, doesn't that work as proof for the paranormal? You would think, yeah, I would classify it as that, but mm-hmm. there's some people that still, they just want that, and I'm not trying to criticize, sure. they want that hardcore scientific proof, but all these studies that have been done, and I mean, going back to Raymond Moody, he's like the father of NDEs, sure and with is, his yeah. book Life After Life, I think is what it was, that he wrote in 1975, Life After Life. He had people coming from him, coming to him after he wrote that book from Western and non-Western religions and cultures that talked about their experiences similar to those that he described. Mm-hmm. And he's collected over 150 NDE accounts from individuals, and that's how the International Association for Near-Death Studies was formed. So, uh, and then with you know Dr. Sam Parnia's research uh, and and many other institutions that have done research into NDEs. I would think with all of that collected, and there have been a lot of it, that it should constitute as proof. I agree. Um, Here here we are. uh, This is, let me see, this is Wednesday. This coming Sunday is Halloween. Now, as a paranormal researcher, how do you feel about Halloween when people, you know, put on the the costumes of goblins, ghosts, and, and the media... You know, makes it up to be a big deal. And I I personally believe that Halloween is sponsored by the Canadian and American Dental Association. But (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) Tell me about it. Yeah. You know, I'm one of these, like I said earlier, I'm very vocal on this. I think that the typical Americanized version of Halloween with Mm -hmm. its cast of characters, and of course, one of the cast characters is a ghost. You have the goblins and the witches and the ghouls and the vampires. That is separate. That should be separate 100% from authentic real-life paranormal research and the afterlife. The only connection Mm -hmm. that I can see that, to me, would bring the two together is the fact that it's thought now, there's no proof of this, but it's thought, it's thought that the veil between our world, living world, and the afterlife is thinnest around Halloween. Mm-hmm. So that, in a sense, I can argue, yes, do paranormal investigations and case studies around Halloween with the full moon and all of that just to see if and do do this for several years to see if you get an influx of data as opposed to other months. But other than that, I'm 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 tired of of media and Hollywood 
blending paranormal research and, and, and real life spirits into Halloween as though they're a cast of characters at Disneyland. You know, it's just, I just, I don't, I don't agree with it. I just don't. Well, here's something I don't understand as a parent and a grandparent. Oh, by the way, Exonation, we found out that one of our granddaughters is going to have a baby in March. So that makes Laura and I great, great grandparents. Wow, congratulations. Thank you. We have six children, and we have 14. This will be 15th grandchild. Wow, that is amazing. So thank you for that. What I don't understand is that we as parents teach our children not to talk to strangers, not to take Mm -hmm. candy from strangers, except on Halloween, where you talk to strangers, asking them for trick-or-treat, and you take the candy from strangers. So I think that this is sending a very mixed message to our kids. It is yeah. very much so. And then that too, I mean, when growing up, you're taught, you know, oh, ghosts and Halloween, ghosts and Halloween. Yeah. And of course, people like myself, I know that the cast of characters of Halloween are completely imaginative and mm-hmm. fake and all that. I don't attribute them to real life uh, paranormal energies, but some people may have a hard time distinguishing distinguishing that even on a subconscious level. And so uh, just, I mean, the Food Network, for example, I mean, I love mm. the Food Network, but they're by having the host of, of the TV show, uh, I think it's Ghost Adventures host one of the shows. That's great and all. But that it subliminally is giving off a message that Halloween and the paranormal are one and one, and they're not. Yeah, I used so. to watch the Food Network a lot, but my doctor told me I couldn't because I was gaining too much weight. <laughs> I love the Food Network. Oh, I, God. I, mean, I really do. But you great. know, I, I sit there and I, you know, I'm watching, and my wife will look at me and she'll say, No, I'm not cooking. No, I'm not calling yeah, out for a pizza. Don't watch it when you're hungry. Yeah, gosh, sure. don't, don't, don't. <laughs> You know, trick or, trick or treat. I remember when we were kids, when we first started going out, my brother and I, it used to be charity, please, that you'd ask at the door. And then it changed to trick or treat. And then we used to get little UNICEF boxes. And you'd go door to door saying trick or treat and money for, for UNICEF. And nowadays, it's, I don't, I don't know. Everything is changing so fast. But I agree it with really you. Is. But I agree with you that there should be the line drawn between the entertainment values of the paranormal and the serious research that you and, like I said, people like you and and Dale and and many of the other credible investigators and investigation teams that we've had on this show and we, we, you know, we, we still get on the show is because you and your people are the real McCoy. You're not in it for the sensationalistic value. You're not in it for the entertainment value. You're in it to establish, to find, to research, and bring forth the truth. And I commend you for that. Thank you so much. That means a lot. That really does touch me greatly. That means a lot. So what's what's next for you? Oh, my goodness. Paranormal-wise. Let's see. I'm just uh, continuing on with uh, Haunted Voices Radio and, mm-hmm. and the Afterlife Chronicles. I've taken some time. Well, I've written some articles and things like that, but I've, it's, I've, I've been – it's weird because normally I'll write a book and then I'll uh, maybe a few, couple months later start a new one. But I just – and I have all these ideas, but I just don't know which one to start. So I have an idea of one that I'm going to 
start. It's one that I've made an outline for. And then I'm actually, speaking of books, I'm co-authoring along with Marie Jones and Denise Agnew on a book as well for 2013. So that that's going to keep us busy because we have to interview a bunch of people. So but let's see, that's about it. With COVID now, yeah. uh, our tour should resume in 2022 and then getting back into some cases. We have some library cases coming up. Super. So. Now, you were saying that you're going to be doing a, a book with, with uh, Anne-Marie Jones, who we've had on the show many times, a great lady. But you said 20, yes. 2013. I, did I? Yeah. Oh, my God. You know what? It's, when it came out, it's, it sounded wrong. I'm sorry. 2023 is oh, what I Oh, why I was Lord asking was, you. I was just wondering if something well. happened in 2020, <laughs> uh, in 2013, that, that nobody knew we're about. Going back and, in time. Yeah, we're and that you were going time. to, you were going to uh, surprise the world with. No. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, my God. It didn't sound right, but then oh. I didn't catch myself. So thank you. Yeah. 2023 <laughs> is <a bit> slated <laughs> for. <laughs> Hey, Nicole, as always, time goes by so fast when you're with us. First of all, thank you so much for the great work you do and uh, for coming on the show. But let our listeners know how they can find out more about you and where they can get your products and listen to you online. Absolutely. So my website's authornicolestrickland.com. It's being redesigned right now. Uh, SanDiegoParanormalResearch.com. And then a little site I have for the Queen Mary, spiritedqueenmary.com. I'm on uh, Instagram, author Nicole Strickland, uh, Twitter, uh, SDPRS Nicole, and then, of course, I'm on Facebook as well. And then my books, you can find them pretty much anywhere books can be sold, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, a lot of the online retailers. And then my Queen Mary ones can be purchased on board the ship as well. It's closed now, but when it opens, you can get those on, on board as well. Nicole, take care of yourself, and thanks again for joining us. Be safe, my friend. Thank you. Have a wonderful night. You too, and happy Halloween. You too. All right, Exxon Nation, we'll be back on the other side of this news break as we continue right here in the Exxon from our broadcast center and studios in Crystal Beach, Ontario. Once again, Nicole Strickland has been my guest, and if you'd like to find out more about Nicole, visit authornicolestrickland.com and or sandiegoparanormalresearch.com. But I can't.